HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. This episode is brought to you by Wisconsin Cheese. We've been making cheese in Wisconsin since before we were even a state, which may be one reason why we win so many awards for it. It's what happens when a whole state dreams in cheese. Find your next favorite cheese at wisconsincheese.com. Welcome to Pizza Quest. I'm Peter Reinhardt, a man on a never-ending search for the perfect pizza. This show is the audio version of the Pizza Talk YouTube series, where I engage in interesting conversations with some of the country's greatest pizza makers and other artisans. Thanks for joining me on this quest. I'm Peter Reinhardt. Welcome to Pizza Talk. And I'm here today with Philip Korshak, who uh, many of you who have been following the Pizza Quest story may remember from the interview that we did a few years ago. It's been like four years, I think, though, since we had yeah, that, right. for me, a phenomenal sort of intense interview. With, uh, I felt like I was, I, I had to run at full speed to keep up with you because you were just, <laughs> uh, I just loved the, the, well, I call it the free association jazz style of thinking and living. You are really a musician and an artist at heart. Uh, mm-hmm. Some of you who know Phil will know him from his days at Home Slice Pizza in Austin, Texas, which is where you were when I when we first met. Yeah, that great tour and and we did the interview. And then all of a sudden, I saw you like at Pizza Expo one year, and then then I didn't see you the next year, and kind of lost touch. Somewhere along the line, I heard you were in Minneapolis, and then I got out of the blue, got a note from you saying you were in my old hometown, Philadelphia, old Philly, South Philly, in fact, in the Italian neighborhood, Italian market neighborhood. And so it's been a long journey. And yeah, a journey, and and very exciting. You are about to open a new bagel shop, uh, right. Corchak's Bagels, which I can't, you know, wait to. In fact, my brother who lives in Philly is, I think, going to be on your tasting panel now because yes, he's very jazzed about it. So, with all that said, can you give us a little bit of a catch up? And for those who didn't see the interview, yeah, just share your journey. I'm going to let you go and let you riff for a while. Because, right on. Uh, you know, and if I if I if I see a place to jump in, I will. But otherwise, I'm just going to let you go for it. Awesome. Well, I mean, like, first of all, Pete, thanks. You know, like it is. I've been looking forward to this. Me too. It is. It is always a pleasure to sort of come in contact with you in a corporeal way. In that, it is true that with almost every recipe I pull down or whoever I'm talking to, 
you're you're there in the conversation, you know, and that's it. It, it it's sort of like a charm or sort of like a keepsake or you know sort of like a I don't know a talisman but it is a piece of language that that almost every baker I know goes to and it's the I don't know anybody who holds to any of your recipes in sort of like a devout uh constitutional law nothing changes kind of way I, I think that's the, the <laughs> yeah I think that's the beauty of it everybody I know has this skeleton you know this this brontosaurus that you dug up and went hey look at this <laughs> and then everybody i know goes into it and so it's it's real nice just to you know talk to you and the one of the memories that fits for me that is really beautiful was that um it was our friend john arena who directed you towards the store which is you know and john John, likewise, is this, you know, powerful sort of energy running through the universe. Yeah. And the thing that he pointed you to was uh, this cheesecake that I'd been making since I was 14. Yeah. That um, an illustrator who worked for my father made for a Christmas party, and I tasted it, and it blew me away. And, it, you know, like, it blew me away, not like it was the best thing I had ever eaten, it made time sort of stop. It was one of the first things I'd eaten wow. where I had to reconsider almost everything because of how it exceeded my expectation of what the thing could be, right? And I talked to her and I said, I wanna do, I wanna do that. Mm -hmm. And she went, look, you know, I can teach you how to do it, but if you're just coming in to play in the kitchen, go somewhere else. Yeah, I mean, this, yeah, this is yeah. really a pretty serious thing that is happening because what you're going to do is you're going to feed somebody. The thing that you're making is going to end up inside of somebody. Yeah. So you really have to take it seriously. And I went, yep, yeah, I'm serious. You know, like, let me do it. And she took me into the kitchen. I just we the first right adults there. to like really, she treated me like an adult, you know, like a, like a responsible human being and oh, walked me through this recipe. And that's the cake that I fed you. Yeah. Right? How old were you when you were first learning this? 14. Four, yeah. Okay. Great. And been making the cake ever since. And so, and it is sort of like the language of that cake, which is love and respect and care. Right which is the thing that arena is really talking about all yeah, the time all the time yeah which is why it makes sense that arena would eat that cake and go oh okay right right and then get to you and go okay you know like the kid makes pizza and you know their dough is good and they do a new york style thing that's pretty awesome and there is nothing like home slice pizza and i will shout to the stars about that but there's something about that cake yeah and so then i get to meet you yeah, yeah. He, said, he he told me he said because uh, he knew I was going to Austin for uh, uh, I was going to teach a class there at, at uh, Central Market, and he said when you're there you've got to go over to Homeslice and meet Phil Korshak. He said uh, you guys are going to really hit it off and and, it and exactly right. And so in meeting you, it's the sort of freedom to be able to talk about the thing, which is passion. Right, the thing that you do that it is an end within itself because it feeds others, right? Mm -hmm. And not 
uh, be crazy while you're talking to it, to be able to connect to another human being who goes, right, exactly. That is what brain feels like, right? Yeah. It's, it's reifying. Yeah. And um, throughout the entire time I was making bagels, and the lucky thing was while I was working pizza and really beginning to understand dough and be, being so lucky that every pizziolo I reached out to was completely open with their recipe and their method and held nothing back and wanted nothing but success for everybody. I mean, for everybody. And I don't know whether it's like the way that Tony Gimignani lays the rudder into the water, right? Or whether he is the keel that everybody sort of goes, okay, cool. That's how we do it. Right. Or whether it is the, just beautiful humility of Bianco with what he does and how huge it is on scale. And yet for him, it comes back down to the statement to me, which was, yeah, I really hope you dig my tomato. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I mean, cause that's at the root, that's what it is. And being able to do that, the passion of bagels was about me and my father and my mother and the fact that they lived in New York and that, my father really identified as a Jewish man with bagels. And my wife and I, when we lived in New York, having a bagel shop that we loved, and then you end up in Texas and there are no bagels. And you go, all right, so, uh, so I, can, I can make things. People make things, right? And I was lucky enough that I was working pizza dough at the same time, and the hydrations are close. So are you actually making bagels at, at Home Slice? No, I was making bagels on the side. Oh, just for fun, so yeah, I, okay. It was like working out as a like um, orchestra musician and then having a weird punk rock band on the side. <laughs> like, that's, that's what was happening with me. <laughs> Secret life. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And like pizza, what I found out was that it wasn't easy. It was easy if you wanted to like make a mediocre thing. Yeah that looked like the thing, right? But to get past that, to get to the plateau where really it was the understanding and being in tandem with the dough mm -hmm. um, was the end. Not I can make a thing that looks like a thing. <laughs> it is that I can work and be in context with the dough as it moves, right? Yeah. And that's where all the help that you've given, given long, long fermentation and cold fermentation comes into play. Yeah. Right? And it is, to me, a tremendous lesson about how to approach life, which is commonly anxious and um, beyond your control. Mm -hmm. Right? Mm -hmm. So with dough, there are things you can control, but they're greatly outweighed by the things that you can't, right? The wildness of yeast is uh, a beautiful kind of entropy. Okay, so what you have to do, what I found for me, was I have to trust that the process of the dough over time mm -hmm and understand that my expectation in the moment while I'm making the bigger, right, will be different than two and a half days later when I'm pulling the boiled bagel out. 
being trapped in the idea two and a half days beforehand of what I want it to be. Uh-huh. Okay, so that doesn't stay with just the bagel, right? Like that's, that's everyday life where I get caught or I get caught in this expectation that is based upon variables that are going to shift. Can you learn to shift with it? Can you learn to be inside of a flow, right? Mm-hmm. Totally self-serving. Uh, but it worked with pizza dough for sure. I was going to say, everything you just described about your bagel, you could apply to the journey Absolutely. with pizza yeah, yeah, yeah. And like I remember at, at Home Slice seeing, I don't know, dozens and dozens and dozens of dough boxes stacked up in different rooms at different yeah. stages. And you were working, I don't know, what is it, three, four days ahead on we your We were at a 72 hour, yeah. All these different stages of the process, yeah. which is kind of cool because there's like a time capsule of each one. It was uh, remarkably cool and it was the coolest because it took a huge operation yeah. of human beings to get that to be organic and flow, right? And so it took a whole lot of people who weren't really versed that deeply in dough. Yeah. Um, becoming very versed in dough. Yeah. Because they would continue to see it. You were telling me, this guy is, you know, you're telling me which are the guys that were like getting it. They were like coming into an understanding and it was part of the joy was watching them grow in it. It is, it is so wonderful. There is, so the joy of, um, so like, um, Eureka, a Eureka moment for yourself. Yeah. Yeah. For me is better when I witness somebody else's Eureka moment uh-huh. as uh-huh. I, because I was there or because I had something to do with shifting something where it became visible. Yeah. But seeing somebody understand yeah see that light go on and oh flip the switch and it and, and suddenly it, they see it right and you know like heavy-handed or not it is like shepherding the dough right so ultimately you make the call on the proof before you boil the bagel or before you put the bread in the oven or whatever i mean ultimately you look at it and go okay now and then you do the thing and you put it in the oven and you cross your fingers and you hope and you see how it goes and same thing, standing behind your oven, with your hands behind your back because you can't trust yourself not to open the oven door and ruin the heat, and watching the dough do the thing, right? Yeah. And begin to gain color is, is miraculous and wonderful and fulfilling, and more importantly in the big life lesson, doesn't need you poking at it at that point. Right? Like that's a that's a super duper good lesson, at least for a cat like me. Yeah. That I remember a, chili, a famous chili competition chef told me one time that you don't want to stir the pot. He said you just don't want to mess with the pot when it's in process. Let right. Yeah. Right. And so that's that's where it happened with me for bagels. And I mean like it I I wasn't for so currently. So this there it is. Turn it a little bit so we can, yeah, there we go. Yeah, 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 yeah. That came out of the oven this morning, right? So dig this. You see that crumb? Yeah. Yeah. It's so amazingly squishy. Yeah. And 
that's the skin, right? Yeah. yeah. And that's the dough. And the delineation between those textures, years, years of seeing what would happen with the bigger or with the longer rise or where it was going to be, how long before I start the boil? Where is the temperature variant of 25 degrees important? Yes, it is, right? I mean, like all that stuff. All right, so what I want to do is we're going to run out of time soon in this segment, but in the second segment, I want to yep. talk really dial down and, and drill down on the bagel itself that you've you got been you know, working with. But, but let's fill in the gaps in between for the next couple of minutes before we run out of time. You got uh, it. Starting at, at Home Slice, just yep. to get some context for folks who have never been there. Yeah. You, you weren't making like 200 pizzas a day. You guys were cranking no. them out. How many, how many? I know it was the slice shop. So you were so you were measuring them partly in slices, but how many pizzas a day were you guys creating there? It was a slice shop, a dining shop, and a takeout shop. You had a full menu, oh, yeah. Yeah, all rolled three ovens rocking at the same time. At the end of a week, it was somewhere in the neighborhood of like eleven hundred slices, and on top of that, another five thousand pizzas in a week. It, you know, like, it was it was. Under a th it was over a thousand pies a day. Yeah, yeah. You took slices and pole pies. That's what I remember. Yeah, yeah. Knocked them together. And you we had were, like these different venues, like a, a shop next to a shop, where you yeah. go here for the slice, go here for the pie, go here to sit down and get a full meal. The yeah, the dine-in location, which is the original, is still one of the most romantic, beautiful spaces I've ever seen. It, it home slice, and they've since expanded to a third, and I think they're in Houston now as well. Really, they're, yeah which all they're doing is spreading love, you know, like every time. They're amazing. Austin itself has, you know, which was net, which like it was not really a pizza, uh, you know, epicenter has become a very hot pizza city. Uh, and they've got all the different styles there now and everything. But Austin is a hip, hip city anyway, so it's going to happen. The, it is, the, the pizza community in Austin, the food community in Austin is, is lovely. But simply, like, uh, I'll shout out the Hunt Brothers for their Detroit style. Um, in Austin is like one of the original outside of Detroit Detroiters that yeah. happened and the way they've run it all the way through has been legit and dedicated to their people and to the community and they're that, you know, that via via three via three one three yeah yeah, yeah. and like they recently did a, a combo with Bufalina which does that Neapolitan I mean like they're they're great yeah after uh, home place, I ended up in Minneapolis. Yeah, that, that's what I want to hear about. The sort of the now yeah, the, the, so I, the pilgrimage continues. Yeah, I, I, home slice was expanding, and I was at a place where I wasn't really interested in how big it was getting and what my role would be in being sort of a a commander, like a like a you know big patent style person. Because I'm, I am much more comfortable being the weird guy on the weird boat, <laughs> sailing the weird pirate thing. That's you know, like that's just more my vibe. And so I started looking around to think about where I could do bagels where it would make sense. And I drove around, and um, I, I ended up in Minneapolis because it has this great northern European sky, and the northeast neighborhood of Minneapolis is cool and bohemian and industrial and that great chef Ann Kim 
is in Minneapolis with Young Johnny and Hello Pizza and Pizzeria Lola. And she's it's a great bakery city too. I mean, some fabulous artists, <laughs> bakers there. And great. really, you know, the heartland of America, that's where General Mills and Pillsbury and all those companies, all the big mills all started there. It's a mill city. You look out your window, you see the big gold, uh, gold medal neon sign. Oh, my heart. Yeah, totally. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I, I mean, like the Minneapolis was great, but I wasn't really prepared for snow being on the ground for eight months. Like that's a long time not to see the ground. Yeah, yeah. Bundling that's like, that's like living in the Pacific Northwest and not seeing the sun. Yeah, it's it just it didn't it just didn't quite click for me, which was really sad because all the friends that I made in Minneapolis are amazing humans and warm and kind and giving and you know like I miss them. But I ended up in Philadelphia because a pal of mine had grown up around here. Uh, she hadn't. She'd been overseas for a decade or more and uh, wanted to reconnect with her family. Minneapolis wasn't quite working out and had been through really like hit, but I figured, all right, well, I'm going to try. It's close to New York. That makes me happy. Right. And then I got here and was living in the Italian market across from a live chicken market and fell in love. I mean, just fell in love with the fact that it is a walking city, that there are tons of little shops, that Philadelphia loves above all things, the independent maker. Like, and, and understandable, it goes back a couple hundred years, you yeah. know, like it's got history. Yeah. Um, and the multiculturalism yeah. is amazing. But I met Danny DeGian Pietro at Angelo's Pizza on 9th and Fitzwater. Yeah. And Danny and I met and just clicked. And Danny says this thing about what he wants with his dough is he wants to be, he wants to see the violence in the dough. He wants the dough reacting like a volcano. And I learned so much from working with him for how he would come at recipes. And that was great. And while working with him, I was able to push out bagels, you know, every so often until he got too busy. And my bagels blew up. I mean, the, I would, I would give them away on the, you know, like in front of my house. When you say um, blew up, you mean blew up in a popular sense? Or yeah. Were, yes, yeah. Were, I mean, like it, it became, through, through Instagram, there became like 20 or 30 people who sort of had bagels and loved them. Yeah. And then it became sort of wildfire. And then I got written up in Philly Magazine. And then I got written up somewhere else. And the, the truth you got, is... You got written up for the bagels? In yeah. Philly? Even before yeah. you have hit, had uh, opened, you haven't really, your shop hasn't opened yet. Yeah, I'm too I believe this, it may be, it's just on the verge of opening. Well, yeah. Well, now, now that you're in Philly and you're in the heart of the sort of the, the Italian market area yeah. with by Angelo's and some of the great, you know, all those great cheese companies, all stuff, let's come back in our next segment right. and really like focus on, on Philly and on bagels and on the sort of the, the, yeah. the method that you come up with, you know, the consolidation of all these different phases of your life to converge in that holy bagel right there the holy bagel that we're not gonna only that one, that one oh my god yeah serious bagel I mean, all right we're going to come back with phil korshak in uh in the next segment on pizza talk please join us then phil we're going to continue this in part two see you in a couple minutes in a bit 
We'll be right back with more Pizza Quest right after this break. This episode is brought to you by Wisconsin Cheese. There's a reason when you think of Wisconsin, you think cheese. Cheese is a huge part of Wisconsin's history and future. In Wisconsin, the state of cheese, the tradition of cheesemaking excellence began 180 years ago, before Wisconsin was recognized as a state. Immigrants traveled to settle in this lush, green hills of Wisconsin, bringing their cheesemaking traditions with them. These storied skills combined with the freshest milk available created a cheesemaking culture that is uniquely Wisconsin. Wisconsin's 1,200 cheesemakers, many of whom are third and fourth generation, continue to pass on old world traditions while adopting modern innovations in cheesemaking craftsmanship. Find your next favorite cheese at wisconsincheese.com. We're Great. back with, Phil, with Philip Korshak out in South Philadelphia uh, on the verge of opening Korshak's Bagels after a journey through the pizza world. Uh, now we're going to talk about consolidating the lessons that you brought in and, you know, your, your culinary journey. But, of course, you're always weaving in your life lessons. Yeah. But more importantly, let's, let's, let's get real zeroed in on that bagel. Can you hold that bagel up one more yeah, time? Bagels. That you have those beautiful, yeah, those gorgeous bagels. And... And the vision that you have for the bagel shop itself, you know, what is, what's behind it? And, uh, you know, a little bit about your methodology, because yeah. not everybody makes bagels the way you're making you know, It wasn't until I hit Philadelphia that all the points came together. So at this point, it starts with a biga that runs at least a 12 hour. And the biga is built from my sourdough starter, Helen Mirren who I built Helen. That's, that's the name of your starter. <laughs> yeah. It's, so it's Helen because she's got a mouth like a sailor and legs for days. <laughs> um, I built Helen out of uh, all Trump high gluten, Austin tap water, uh, the peel off of green apples, oh. and uh, the yeast in the backyard in Austin. And it took her about three months to develop legs. Uh And once she did and had the flavor that, you know, was her, that I knew directly it was Helen. So Helen, when I was driving around the country trying to figure out where I was going to live. Yeah. Seat belted into the passenger seat next to me. And I fed her everywhere. I took her, I took a piece of her into St. Viteur in a little uh, like bottle, right? So I could stand inside of that shop with the lid off while I waited for stuff. So you were picking up organisms everywhere. Everywhere I could. And that's in the, the Biga for every, every one, right? The Biga goes 12 hours. So when you refer, just for terminology's sake, when you say Biga, you're referring to sort of the, the starter, the, the final starter that's going to go into the, the final dough. Exactly, right. So it is really the final dough, less about half the flour, a little, uh-huh. little less than half the flour, and the salt. I see. So it's a, it's a stage. You go from a mother starter, yep. uh, from Helen, right. to, to a biga 
which is yep. uh, sounds more like a wet stick, a wet spongy type dough. That's and right. Then, and you ferment that, and then you start, and then you bring the final build. Right. And the reason I got to that spongy ferment was to get that. Um, yeah. Yeah. Right. So that was part of the of figuring out where I wanted that Viga. Uh, to be more spongy and have a deeper hydration or a lower hydration was to get that right. Yeah. So then you were you showed us visually what that looks like. Can you also describe a little bit about the taste yeah. quality when you bite? What do you? What is it that the mouthfeel that you're getting? So there's really two major things happening with the inner crumb of the dough. There is the fact that it springs back. Uh -huh works the mouth as well, right? So it is soft in the way that cake is soft, but the bounce back works the taste buds as well, right? So, but that for me in context of what happens with the tear on the skin, and yeah, where it is, uh, I mean, like I always say like leather, like, or leather, like exactly. the best yeah. jerky you've ever had. <laughs> right what, what, what kind of flour do you use for this so currently i'm using a hummer um which is uh Advanti, uh flour i think but it's running at about a 14 percent protein high protein flour yeah. Yeah. yeah totally high protein and so the i want a crunch with a tear with a spring because in the flavor in that there's the sourdough mother with a high acid there is uh, amber beer malt in there too, which is laying down sort of a base. I mean, so like you're using like a crystal malt, a, a, a powder that you add. I do. So I use a diastatic uh, dry malt, and the, uh, okay, instead like the, of liquid. like a lot of bagel shops use the liquid uh, yeah. malt syrup, but you're going with the, with the crystal, and which I, is kind of how I started when I first started making bagels. That's what I used is, a, is the crystal like that. Yeah. I use it because the, uh, the waste on the on the liquid is too much for me. It bothers me too much about how much of it is just gone yeah. and how, the necessity for more plastic also bums me out. Um, the, the malt is in there and I also use maple syrup to oh. get a higher sweetener in there too to get the yeast moving super fast to get the aeration that will give me the sponge. Right, so the problem is with that extra sugar from the maple, the speed on the dough has to then have a lower hydration mm -hmm. so it can contain. So this dough bagel is like at a 57% hydration. <clears throat> if I were at 60, even 60, with the speed on the yeast, it yeah. would blow out. Uh. Because so 57 is a pretty stiff dough. I mean, you, yeah, you got, you're exactly. working that mixer pretty hard to, to get that to come together. Absolutely. So the mother goes to the bigger, the bigger then goes to the dough. The dough gets cut down, formed. I do the poke and not the proper old school tie. Um, so, you, so you poke through and just kind I of like a bracelet, you kind of... Uh, yeah, and the yeah. reason I poke is I can get the better blowhole, uh -huh. little itty-bitty hole yeah um better with the poke than with the tie when i do the tie that center hole is always bigger than i want it to be ah interesting with the bagel i want 
I wanted to be able to work as a bagel that you just eat or a bagel and a schmear or a bagel sandwich. Yeah. So you don't want to have a giant hole. You want a small little. Right. And it also, the, the size of the hole will sort of define what the texture of the inside dough will be. Mm-hmm. Right. So the smaller the aperture, the better the spring. What's the weight of that piece of dough? Four and a half ounce. Okay. So it's a good full size bagel. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and then, uh, no after, yeast, only starter, just natural starter, no commercial <clears throat> yeast at all? No, there is a uh, like a 0.03% uh, 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 commercial spike, yeast in there, too. A little spike of yeast. Yeah, to get it just really moving and getting that. Again, it's, it's for me to get the spring. Yes. If I, if I lowered it and let it go longer, then I would get more of that classic bread honeycomb crumb. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. which is great if I want bread, but if I want a bagel. Exactly. It's a different thing altogether. Yeah. Yeah. And then they go another 12 hours at least after the cut, the form, and then they do a 12-hour cold ferment before they do about a half hour outside proofing and then into the boil. Wait, so let me go back again. So after it comes off the mixer, do you go immediately to dividing off the mixer? Did you say there's some fermentation time? I give it about a 10-minute bench rest after it comes out of the mixer uh, to get it to relax so that when I cut it down to ball, uh, okay. the ball works better. And but then yeah. after that, you're just hand-forming all the bagels at that point. So I, in addition to the fact that you've added maple syrup, yep. you know, and some real malt, some real, like, beer malt. So you've got a, you've got a, not a, you don't have your low-cost lender's bagel here. You've got an artisan bagel with, with handcraft involved. There's, there's, there's a lot going on. That's for sure. Yeah. And it's, and the part that is important for me. So with the shop that will open in September on 10th and Morris across from the Varallo bakery. Yeah. 10th and Morris in South Philly. 10th and Morris in South Philly. Korshak bagels. We will hand form every bagel. Um, We hope to do somewhere in the neighborhood of like six, 700 bagels a day. So you're going to need a couple other hands in the shop besides your own because that's the point. Yeah. That's right. That's exactly right. So So they got forming all the bagels. That's no fun, right? Yeah. 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 Back to people be witnessing people have Eureka. There's, you know, this, when you stand around a mixing table, forming dough with human beings, that connection, there's nothing like that connection, right? And in fact, you, there's a quote that you gave me in our first interview. Uh, it was a Carl Jung quote. I, I, you, you happen to remember it by, because I could bring it up, but it was something about when, when, two, when two personalities interact, it's like chemicals coming together. Do you remember this? Uh, yeah, you, I, I can bring it up and read it if you want me to. Sounds like me. Let me see if I can find it. Yeah, I'm going to, uh, but let's see, where did it go? Well, I'm, I'm, as I'm scrolling through the interview, I'm seeing, I'm, I'm seeing Ella Fitzgerald jumping off the page, and I'm yep. seeing J.D. Salinger jumping off the page. I, what I loved about talking with you is the free association of, of, of people who are critically you know, influential in your life just keeps coming, and you keep connecting the dots between all of these people. Uh, but, right. uh, but one of the first quotes was, uh, was Carl Jung. Uh, uh, let me see. The meeting of two personalities is like the contact of two chemical substances. If there's any reaction, both are transformed. Yes. Love that. That's right. That's absolutely, and that, and, but that's the point of having a shop. So while I can sit around and make bagels, that's nice. 
Um, but when it gets to be me and other people interacting, that's better. And when it's a neighborhood interacting, that's amazing. And the thing that I, that is wonderful about the bagel thing, which is real similar in pizza. So one of the things that Home Slice did really well or understood was that pizza is amazing because it typically is at least two people going, let's share this thing. Mm -hmm. Right. The, the underbelly truth of that is love and hope yeah. and joy, right? With a bagel, it is not so often that you share the same bagel that you're having, right? But the ability to take this bagel that you love and go, have one of these, right? Eat you say this. that again, Phil, because- That happens with bagels all the time. Can you just say with what a bagel? Doing? It is the connection, the ability for a human being to look at another human being and go, eat this. Yeah. Eat this. And back to what I want. So my, the greatest compliment I ever hear when people eat one of the bagels is, um, I didn't know it could be like this. Mm. Boy, don't you love hearing that? It, it is because it's that same thing of being blown away by what your expectation is and what it really is. Right? You're really so, altering people's perception of reality when, when, when something that they take for granted, uh, you know, a bagel, a simple bagel, a simple pizza, whatever, that and when someone says, I didn't realize there was a whole other level or a whole other dimension of this platonic thing here, and I'm tapping yeah. into it now as a result of this moment. Right, which is why Young is dead on the money. Right, yeah, exactly. that's, and this is why Ella fits, and why, and for me, and I, I, I keep coming back to this because it's true. There is not one thing that I know or one thing that I do that wasn't informed by somebody else somewhere being kind to me and showing me something. All of it. Now, granted, what I did with it and how I understood it—that's that's me. Right. Yeah. But it was simply because somebody like you or John Arena or Ella Fitzgerald or whoever um, took the moment to say to me, OK, I'm going to show you this thing back to the woman who taught me the cheesecake. OK, I'm going to show you this thing. Right. And so with Philadelphia and you've you're far more traveled than I. And so you probably know better than I. In Philadelphia, the ability to witness and testify at the same time is available and apparent in how people in Philadelphia feel about local food, right? Not only do they love it, they want to talk to somebody about it. Yeah. Right. And they yeah. want somebody to listen to them talking about it. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. And, and I'm sure every city has their version of that, but Philly definitely has a cultural identity built right. around it. It's, you know, it's sandwiches, it's cheesesteaks and, and roast pork and pretzels and, and, yeah. and, and bagels. And, and, and bagels. And all of that coming down to, here's this guy who does this thing. I think it's pretty awesome. I think you will too. Right. So, so when I was working with uh, Danny at Angelo's, his mixer was broken for a month and I got to go use the mixer at Sarcone's bakery four doors down on ninth famous bakery. Yeah. With, with the bakery, with the ovens that are about 90 years old. Yeah. Where the mixer is like older than me. <laughs> and 
it's yeah, like that's the best. That is that is such a Philadelphia story. Okay, yeah. you need a mixer, so use the mixer, right? I mean, like because it's in the neighborhood, it's in the family. It's good. Well, before I forget, so I want to get back to the bagel now. So right. in terms of method technique, because people are going to want to yeah, know so, a few things still to go. Number one, we'll finish the technique. So right. talk, let's talk about that. Then I want to talk about what it's going to sell for and what else are you going to serve at gotcha. the shop? So <clears throat> the mother into the bigger, the bigger does a 12 hour at least into the mix with a bench rest and then a form and then another 12 hour. It'll be at, at, at ambient room temperature or in no, 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 no. cold ferment. The cold ferment, okay. Cold ferment. Fermentation, retarding, yeah. Yep. Come out of the cold ferment, give it about a half hour, and then you're boiling for about 30 seconds on each side. Uh huh. You're coming out of the boil. The boil has uh, baking soda in the water. That's, I do treat the pH with that. Does the 30 second, 30 second, comes out and gets topped, if it's going to get topped, by into a bucket with a shake. Uh -huh. um, and then onto a bagel board that's been soaked, cedar board burlap, old school. upside down, yeah, into an oven that's roughly four hundred and a little bit more, like but under four ten. Deck or is it a revolving uh, carousel? No, at this point, it's my straight oven, but not a revolver, a straight you know, oven. But I've got baking steels laid into it, so the board is going on top of the baking steel. Uh. It's doing five minutes, and then it gets flipped onto the baking steel. So it goes in upside down on the board. Yeah. Does five minutes on the oven, flipped onto the steel, and it does the remaining 15 minutes, give or take. I mean, it's a 20-minute total cook at about 400 degrees for a four-and-a-half-ounce piece of dough that's at about a 36-hour ferment. When you think about... You know, not only the thought that went into all this, but the, the work, the, the, the physical work that, that when you take this simple bagel, from now on, <clears throat> anytime somebody takes a bite of a bagel, think about, in this case, it's really, ex you know, extensive artisan. But even, even at the most fundamental level, all these different steps that we never think about, right, that bring, that transform flour and a piece of wheat into this beautiful stirrup-shaped little roll that we call a bagel. No, and then people go, you know, what is it about bagels? Well, I mean, it's just bread, but it's not just bread. There's, there's a whole backstory series of transformations and yeah. you know, changes that take place in that product before it hits your mouth. Yeah. Yeah. Plus it, now you're adding in also your blood, sweat and tears and your right. team and the, and the energy that you guys are bringing to it. So, so, which means I'm thinking, I'm saying all this, I'm thinking, Right. How much is the stamp bagel going to cost me then by the time I get it? And, and are you going to just sell them as plain bagels? Or are you going to serve sandwiches? You're going to have some schmears, some locks? So or what? I'll, I'll do. So I think the bagel itself is a $2 bagel. Currently, I believe that's a $2 bagel. Uh -huh. I believe a bagel and a schmear uh, will get you to about like a straight plain schmear. So the schmear that I make, I mix with, I take cream cheese, and I whip it with goat milk and I whip it with the brine from fresh mozzarella, mm, mm. which does an amazing thing to the texture and the aeration and the salt. Yeah, great idea. Plus the second person I've talked to in the last week who's using the brine from the mozzarella, you know, in a second product. That's awesome. Yeah. It is, it is such a, it, it, it feels so good to use. I mean, like it can be used for everything. Um, so like, I think for, 
for that sort of thing, you're looking at about 350 somewhere in there. That's not pretty reasonable, yeah. Yeah, for a schmear that is uh, whipped up with like roasted poblano pepper or uh, roasted long hots are preferable or sh fresh cherries or, you know, a totally tarted up schmear will be more like a 425 total. Uh -huh. I'll do bagels, I'll do schmears, I'll do bagel sandwiches like a bacon, egg, and cheese or a sausage, really? egg, and cheese. Wow, now, now you're adding some, some more complexity to the shop. You're going to have to have right. a griddle there and everything else. I'll make normal bagels that are topped and plains, and I'll do a pumpernickel and I'll do a rye. I'll do bialis probably once a week uh, because my father and because yeah. producers on Delancey is important to me. Um, yeah. But I'll also yeah, do Cali Day once a week, which we yeah, yeah. Destination Day, yeah, right. I'll do I'll do a cinnamon raisin that I'm now very happy with, and I'll do a Cooper Sharp cheese with roasted long hots in a bagel. I am the only person I know who does this. Um, and you'll see the cheddar jalapeno happen in Austin all the time. And it's around there. And Asiago is a pretty standard one. So what is, a, what is, the, what is that long, the, the long hot you're talking about? The, so it's an Italian long hot pepper. Oh, it's a pepper, okay. <laughs> right, so it's a, it's a very, very spicy Italian market pepper. I roast the peppers. Um, those go into the secondary dough, right? Along with, after the bench rest, I then fold in cubes of Cooper Sharp cheddar cheese. So that's all in the dough itself, in the bagel, baked into the bagel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It is astounding. Like, it is a ridiculous bagel. I'll do schmears with the roasted long hot. I'll do schmears with, um, with peaches, that have been sauteed and I'll do nutty things like that. I'll do a bagel sandwich with roast pork from Esposito's Porchetta two blocks up the road. Which is nice that you have all these resources right, right around the corner, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, I'll good. use their roast pork, I'll use their roast beef, I'll make a Cubano, I'll do a Reuben. I will talk to Mike's Barbecue, which is also on 11th yeah. and yeah, more. That's a hot new place too, yeah. I mean, oh. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so if you're watching, Fred, you, Mike. So if I can convince them every once in a while to make pastrami. Yeah. And we can make pastrami Rubens, like, why not? You know, that's, and for me, the reason is for the neighborhood, right? For everybody to work with everybody else, for yeah. everybody really to communal experience, be able to now. raise everybody else. Yeah, yeah. Well, and so well, my, I'm about two months away. I'm hoping September first. Well, let me ask you this: uh, Have you budgeted into the plan any time to sleep? Because you got an awful lot on the plate here. Uh, yeah, no, <laughs> no. But I do. I don't have time to sleep. But I do have. I have really good partnership. And one of the parts of the story that's really exciting is the guy who was the director of operations for Home Slice Pizza, who started out as a bartender when it opened in 2005, Nano Whedon. Nano's a Philly kid. Ah. Like he grew up, I think, in Mount Airy or somewhere around there. He has recently moved back to town. And he is working with me. We are working together. Neat. to open the bagel shop that I'm talking about. So it is this incredible connection from 2005 
where we both were on the sidewalk painting uh, the booths that would end up in the shop before it opened. And 16 years later, we're walking through the shell of the shop going, okay, so how can we do it this time better? Which is every day. I feel like I'm one of the last Philly kids who's, who has not been pulled back into <laughs> the Philly cauldron. Uh, but who knows? It's, it's still not, not ended yet. Who knows? I mean, <laughs> well, listen, this has been amazing, amazing journey. And, Thanks. and let's, we'll get you back again, maybe around the time you open, maybe we can do something uh, or, or maybe get you back when you're up in, and actually in operation, even before you open and do a yeah. demo. Uh, and we can and we can videotape you actually showing people the process making from start to finish a bagel. I would uh, love, love to get that if we can do that, Phil. I would and, love that. Uh, and for the again, for those who want to reach out to you, I know that number one, they may, may want to write to you. Uh, best yeah. way to write to you would be what what, what email address or, so or p korshak p uh, at gmail dot com p k o r s h a k that's right. Pete Korshak at, a, what was it, AOL? At Gmail. At Gmail. At gmail.com. Okay, gmail.com. So, so write to Philip there. Uh, when you're in Philly, if you're not already there, but you're going to now have to go to Philly to get one of these bagels starting in September, it's at 10th and Morris. 10th and Morris down in the, there's an Italian, the Italian market is not just two blocks. It's a, it's a big chunk of Philadelphia. So, yep. um, so you can make a day of it just walking from shop to shop to shop. Yep. And, uh, and it's going to be called Korshak's Bagels. Sounds like it's going to be an amazing, amazing place, a destination yeah. place. Korshak Kor Bagels, we're all in this together. And I'm so thrilled that you were able to share all this with us. It's been great to see you again. It's always not the last conversation we will have. We'll get you back on a regular basis. And, uh, and uh, I don't know. I just want to. I want to um, listen to some music with you. So that we got to get. I, 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 we've got to get Ella Fitzgerald up next time. Next time we'll play some Ella behind us. And oh, Peggy Lee. All right. Yeah. Well, yeah. that's. I, I, she's phenomenal. But Ella is my. Ella is really my go-to person. I think yeah. the voice of modern music. Absolutely. The, the songbook is everything. Yeah. yeah. But we'll we'll talk Ella. That's a lot more, a lot more to talk about here on Pizza Talk. Because Pizza Talk is not just about pizza. It's about, it's about how it all hangs together. And well, thanks so much for being part of us today. We'll thanks, see you. all of you back on the next episode of Pizza Talk. Good luck with the opening. I'll be, I'll be tracking that all the way. Thanks. Bye-bye. Pizza Quest is powered by Simplecast. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org, and connect with us on Instagram and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can also find us at facebook.com slash heritageradionetwork. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, and more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Subscribe to the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join the HRN family by becoming a member. Thanks for listening. <laughs>